now we now we have to start this all over again. All good, dude. Uh, I've totally, totally have forgotten to start recording. I I tried to do a podcast one time, uh, about music industry stuff, and it it ended up not coming to life. But um, yeah, there was one time where I did like a three hour episode, and then like <laughs> logged out of Zoom, and it was like, oh shit, I actually didn't record any of that. Uh, this dude is about to be really pissed at me for wasting his time. So, uh, yeah, basically, I've been there, and I get it. Also, sorry about my lack of microphone. I was trying to get my focus right working, and it turns out it seems to have broken in the time since I last used it. So I'm ripping analog, but I did fight the good fight to try and have better audio. No, all good. Okay, so right now I'm currently using the Wear Many Hats live mic because right now I am in an Airbnb in Mexico City doing the Wear Many Hats world tour. Thanks for saying that the mic was sick before you're you want to come to mexico city that's like next on your list but you just got back from berlin in new york city <laughs> so in berlin that's next on the where many hats live tour we're going to amsterdam then berlin then back to amsterdam we're going to go to berlin to see my friend zach grave goods that did the where many hats theme song shout out to zach and then okay so when you were in berlin I did read your tweets that you got denied entry to Bergheim. <laughs> I did. Yeah, they uh, they were pretty cold with the people getting denied before my partner and I got to the mm. front. They were kind of just giving them a subtle nod. And in my defense, the bouncer did kind of look at us and he was like, can you step back a little bit? And he like he was like, I'm really sorry, guys, not tonight. I thought that was a pretty convivial like way to say no. It definitely didn't feel super hostile or cold and I think like you know the not tonight thing kind of suggested that I could one day get into Bergheim it just wasn't wasn't the right moment I stood too close I think I like I did do the all black look which is mm-hmm. apparently what you're supposed to do but I I tucked in my shirt I think that might have been a little too little maybe it seemed like I was trying too hard on that front we'll never really know the reason I didn't get into Bergheim that night but one day I'll be back in Berlin they'll let me in I'll I'll figure out what all the hype is about they didn't tell you no they don't give a lot of explanation uh they're kind of just like you're in or you're not in i think you really have to um they like people who wear a lot of like leather in sort of like a kink way and i was wearing leather in more of like this is the one leather jacket i own type of way um (laughs) so i look you live and learn i think the other thing i had going against me is um I'm not really like a huge like late night guy. I mean, like I like to party and I do stay out late, but not in like a Bergheim, like pull up to the club at like four in the morning and party till 10 a.m. type of way. And no. my partner and I had a flight in the morning. So we got there at a, I think we arrived 15 minutes after they opened. And I, I just feel like that's sort of a, a, a traditionally sort of a lame move to be the first person at the club. So I'm not sure that was Whoa. a wise decision either. Early. Um, yeah, but you know what? Look, I've so many people. They have a 60% denial rate. I was one oh. of the many. I don't take it personally. And no. one day I'll experience uh what it I, it seems like it's just a normal club but it's i guess it's different so i i do want to go i do want to go as well i've never been the first time i went to berlin i actually dipped out of the club scene 
I wanted to take a break from clubbing, but I also was still drinking at that Word. time. But now I am heavy in the club scene, but I stopped drinking. Word. Yeah, hell yeah. I mean, I respect it. I feel like, honestly, you're not the only person I know who's like that. I feel like a lot of DJs I know are like weirdly sober, but are also like actively live the DJ life. So yeah, I mean, I do drink. I don't go to the club as much as I think I I wish I did, but mm -hmm. bottom I line, Berlin was fun and there were a number of other sit clubs that I did check out. So, oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. You were like, I'm not going to give up. No, hell no. Uh, I went to a club called Tresor instead, mm -hmm. which was cool. It sort of has a reputation for being, I think, a bit of a, a Bergheim reject spot. And it was the most <laughs> English I heard in all of Berlin. But look, it was cool. And they do run legitimately a very cool, like, techno label on the side of running a club. So, definitely had a cool time at Tresor. There was a spot I checked out called About Blank. That was really tight. Mm -hmm. Also kind of just a dark techno club, but that's sometimes that's what you want in Berlin. And then um, I would not really call it a club, but they have a, this is super up my alley, but they have a, an ambient listening bar there called Quia that has sort of a, uh, a, a trippy bisexual vibe is wow. how I would describe it. Um, And really, really, really like incredible natural wine and cocktails and some of the best DJ bookings I've ever seen. And they kind of get everyone coming through to do very chill, psychedelic sort of ambient sets. So that was definitely went there a couple times easily. My favorite club adjacent place I have maybe ever been and, you know, real, real bucket list goal to DJ there one day. Right. Have you ever, I mean, you said ambient music's up your alley. You you are also an ambient writer. Have you ever been to the club and just thought, I got to write up about this place? Like you got a lonely planet, this thing? Um, I don't know. I mean, I've tried to pitch club coverage around um, before and it's, it's not really like, I mean, I mean, long story short, yeah. It's not something that I really like is the bread and butter of what I feel compelled to do. But like I've pitched, I, I never landed the piece, but I've, I tried to write a piece on this club mansions here in New York that I love. I don't know mm -hmm. if you are a mansions attender. I'm a mansions knower, but I have not attended yet. It's really weird and cool. They have a carpeted dance floor. And again, just like, I'm not a real wine head, but their natural wine program is really something to write home about shout out to mansions and then i i'm trying to write about uh, a festival i was at in philly called making time a couple weeks ago which wasn't a club but it was like a a weird really tastefully like booked rave in a revolutionary war fort probably probably my favorite event i've been to like maybe ever it was extremely sick so Whoa. Those are two two kind of club adjacent things I'd want to write about. But mostly I feel like if I want to write about something, it's just like a cool album that I think people should check out or yeah. like an interview with an artist who I think is doing something like kind of weird or cool. I love that you brought up Making Time. Shout out to Dave P. I am from Philadelphia and I've been going to Making Time since I was 18. So I've seen it all. The only interesting part is i've never been to fort mifflin 
of the making time series even though i've been trying to go every year but yeah making time holds a special place in my heart i've just been i'm in my 30s now but i've i've seen it all from all everyone that started off like in small clubs that making time has like produced with r5 productions shout out to sean agnew and then and then the whole union transfer movement like i'm i know everything about the Philly music scene, even though we're both in New York, but it's just incredible that that was your first time at making time and they're crushing it still. Yeah, that's sick. Yeah. It was my first time at any type of like making time event, but I thought it was like probably the coolest festival I've ever been to. I just, I, it's kind of weird. Uh, I'm from DC and I grew up revolutionary war reenacting uh, as like a little kid, which was no sort of- way. Yeah, that's my like weird uh, anecdote is I, I got into music because I was like a, a drummer in Revolutionary War reenactments as like a little kid. And then I went on to do other more normal and maybe even kind of cool shit as I got older. But um, that was my like route into everything. So making time being at like a a well curated sort of ambient and like good techno adjacent rave in a fort. uh from the revolutionary war kind of felt like something that was like specifically geared towards like probably only me. I feel like I'm one of the few people in the world who has those two specific interests. Yeah. I I could only imagine you being on the grounds and going, I'm home. Yeah, for sure. It was definitely <laughs> a weird and sort of like, a, I don't know, like kind of a, a spiritual like moment for me walking up there and being like, damn, like when I was a little kid, I reenacted <laughs> a bunch of places like this. And now I'm here to see like Overmano or whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it was it was cool. That was really tight. Uh, I do hope I get to write about that one, pitching a bunch of places on coverage. But if I don't, then, you know, getting to getting to give it a shout out to it here, which I'm glad I get to do. When you were in the Revolutionary War scene, um, did you ever transition into the LARP scene? Like, no, the- uh, <laughs> I it was just the reenacting. Um, I think there was a, a there's definitely a timeline where I probably could have ended up LARPing, and I mean, I think re- reenacting and LARPing are so intrinsically similar that you could argue that you know I've <laughs> I, like by proxy. And like, by definition, I have LARPed in my lifetime, but I, I've never like explicitly done a LARPing event. It was just the reenactments. And when I was about 11, my dad took me to see like Tom Petty live and sort of pushed me to like get more into like being in bands and like playing rock music. Cause I think he saw that if I was like in high school and going to participate in Revolutionary War reenactments on the weekends, I definitely would have gotten bullied pretty badly for that. So <laughs> I think he encouraged me to do the the band thing instead. And uh, I'm grateful for that, for sure. You would have been big on TikTok if that was alive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's a way if I were <laughs> that I could have kind of like capitalized on it at that age and, you know, kind of like used it to chase clout. Um, <laughs> but I instead am happy that I stopped reenacting when it kind of stopped feeling like I was like a cute little kid doing it. And it was more of like, this is like a young preteen wearing like a costume and pretending to be in a war. That's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> I, I do feel like I I tapped out like right at the the perfect point. 
Damn, but your dad, shout out to dad bringing you to Tom Petty. Massive shout out to my dad for that one. I think he kind of knew what he was doing there. Um, Shout out to Tom Petty. Definitely not an artist who seems like anyone I would be super into based on what I read about, but a real kind of all-time favorite for me. My parents are both from Florida. um, and My dad is from Gainesville, where Tom Petty was from. So he's sort of just like a, a huge artist in my family. I think he might be the only only musician that probably any everyone I'm related to can get down with so definitely a really cool like first rock concert and I don't think I'd be as deeply into music if it weren't for that experience Gainesville Gainesville fast come on yeah true it's kind of weird like I feel like Gainesville is now almost like um or almost sort of becoming like an Asheville or something right uh I mean, I don't know. I haven't spent a lot of time down there as an adult, but I do feel like I see a lot of like Fest is obviously there. And I feel like I see a lot of other um, just like cool bands or like I just I can't remember which artist it was. But I just wrote about like some experimental artists from down there. And it seems like there's cool shit happening. So next time I'm down there visiting my grandparents, I'm going to try and like tap into the DIY punk scene or something. Your grandparents? <laughs> yeah, my grandparents uh, still live down there. So I could, you know, maybe... Maybe I'll go visit them and take them to a weird, weird DIY show. That could be a vibe. Still rocking. Yeah. Rashad and this is Wear Many Hats presented by Disarm. You can check out all the episodes of the Wear Many Hats podcast on all platforms and at wearmanyhats.com. Rate and comment the Wear Many Hats show on Apple Podcasts and drop five stars on Spotify. WMH and Disarm is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you. Ted Davis is a journalist. Ted is a writer, music editor, DJ, and musician from Northern Virginia. Ted is a columnist for Bandcamp Daily, and his work has appeared in Rolling Stone, NPR Music, Pitchfork, Serigum, Billboard, MTV News, Spin, Resident Advisor, Paste, Reverb, Aquarium, Drunkard, and honestly, I find all of his work on Twitter. Ted is also a freelance copywriter and writes bios for creative people across a variety of mediums. Going back to Twitter, I love all of Ted's tweets. He's very caring, thoughtful, thought-provoking thoughtful, compassionate, and real. If we love Jim Davis, we'll love Ted Davis. Please welcome Ted Davis to wear many hats. Well, that's probably the the sweetest intro I've ever gotten. And I'm glad that the tweets seem both caring and thought-provoking. I'm definitely, you know, I don't know if I'm ever trying to provoke anyone's thoughts, but I am definitely trying to come across as, you know, a nice dude on the internet. So I'm glad that it's led me to a real life podcast. <laughs> I think how you showed up on my feed is honestly by the algorithm pushing 
music onto the feed. I mean, everything that's been going on right now, I just have seen your tweets from like last month to now, and they're just, it's a different, it's a whole different wave, especially with what's going on right now. Yeah, and I, I only want to get so into the whole like Bandcamp collapse of media situation because I mean, it's like there's just feel like it's kind of this is just part of doing what I do um, is kind of watching a lot of great places change or fold or whatever. And I mean, to my knowledge, for what it's worth, for as doom and gloom as I think me and so many other people have been about you know, Bandcamp laying off half of their editorial staff and just half of their stuff in general. Um, it, Like the writing there does, it is going to keep being a thing, at least at this point. So it's like, I my job for, to my knowledge is the same at this point. I can't, I can only be so ungrateful or cynical or whatever. But um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's, it's weird because I keep like, most of my Twitter feed is me posting selfies and like life is good shirts or being like, damn, I love cold beer and some great music. And then some, sometimes some bullshit will happen in the world of uh, media or journalism or music or whatever. And I'll chime in and then get like 2000 likes and end up on a podcast. So yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, I feel like I, I'm usually trolling on there, but hmm. then sometimes I'm, I, I guess I'd say more insightful shit. I'm sure you've gone viral several times. Well, I feel like that's a rite of passage living in New York as you move here and immediately <laughs> get a bunch of new followers for whatever reason and go viral a couple times i feel like that that's everyone's right in this city um you know i moved here and had like a third of the followers i do now i think you just put it in the bio and just they 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 start flocking i've seen it with so many of my <laughs> friends too especially also if you're a journalist i feel like journalists have come such a long way once you put out an article it goes far, long and far with a publication and then people start following you left and right. Yeah, deeply. Um, You're like low-key influencer, but not. Totally. I mean, I've, I've like definitely described what I do as like being a weird ambient music influencer before, which is kind of like that objectively kind of is my job it's it's strange and mm -hmm. I mean if you do it long enough you you definitely people notice and I don't know like I kind of assume that anyone who's following me is usually like a publicist who just wants me to write about an artist they represent but I've had a couple times recently where I've like found out that people actually like like normal people actually find shit through my writing mm -hmm. which has been like the most rewarding part because I think like I get a little cynical feeling like what I do is sort of just like a part of the music industry like I I feel like I approach my writing on much more of like a you know sort of like a nerdy and enthusiastic level and then like it kind of I just assume that most of the people who read it are kind of people who worked on that album cycle or people who want me to write about some band that's similar to the one I wrote about which is like great and I appreciate people reading but it's a lot different from what I do like it, it feels different than what I do being like an extension of myself as an artist or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. It's cool that like people who aren't necessarily in like music management or whatever would find cool music through something I write. I, I was at a DJ set at MoMA PS1 like earlier this summer and had like a complete stranger come up to me and recognize me and be like, I found some great like ambient music through 
your column and I, I know that like your recs are going to be on point. And I was like, oh, do you work in music? And he was like, no. And I was like, <laughs> fuck yeah, let's go. <laughs> some some guy who is making probably a lot more money than I am is checking out great music that, that I love while working a job that probably gives him insurance. Like that makes me super, <laughs> in, that makes me super happy. <laughs> well, I thought what's interesting is that he knows what you look like. I mean, I didn't, I didn't do a background check on you, like what you look like, and then popped up and here you are. I was a big selfie poster for a minute, uh-huh. um, and I've kind of backed off on the the selfies and have uh-huh. removed my my picture from my my Twitter avatar. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, not really <laughs> for any particular reason. I just feel like every writer <laughs> and ambient musician just doesn't have their photo as their avatar. And I was kind of like, I feel like a, a damn nerd. All of these like aloof people who just have like a weird picture of like a spiral. And I'm like, here I am. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I definitely, definitely am posting more, more selfies than most journalists for better or worse. Um, you know, sometimes you take a great selfie and you want to share it. That's so true. When I think of ambient music, for some odd reason, you're right. You're right. They they don't throw their faces on, like, oh yeah, profile pic. What is an object in my f- camera roll? What, yeah, what? you have to see them like you really put in like no effort or just like pull a weird <laughs> gradient from Google Images or something. And then I I think there was one point where I like literally had like like a good thirty five millimeter photo of myself, and I was like, this is like way too way too lame i'm sure everybody <laughs> all of the cool the cool kids of ambient think i'm some fucking loser so Damn. i had to <laughs> had to back off and get kind of more more aloof with it just to <laughs> to fit in with the scene you know <laughs> moma ps1 was it the warm-up series it was warm-up yeah um i'd never been before mm-hmm. i frankly cannot remember who i saw my, wow. my partner and i just went because we wanted to go to warm-up but it was great. I mean, I love that museum. I I definitely like one of the first kind of instances where I thought DJing was cool was like seeing footage of warm up. And I think like they do a really good job of like kind of cultivating like uh, the vibe that like the DJ and the dance music is sort of like as much of a part of like it, it definitely feels like art when you put it in a museum. Um which I like because I'm a big believer in like electronic music being mm. a pretty like nuanced art form. So yeah, basically shout out to PS1 and warm up. It'd be cool to, if anyone, anyone there is listening, I, I'll DJ that. If you, you know, you could, you can hit me up about that. I'd do it. <laughs> I'll like, if you want to, I would say yes. Uh, do you really go by DJ stepdad? I do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I I'm put out music under that name as well. Sick. And I've been doing that like before, I started writing. I have a stepdad. We love. That's why I called the project that. <laughs> There's, it's not that deep. It made me laugh. I like a lot of. Uh, <laughs> I like a lot of, of like. There was the whole like lo-fi house boom that was pretty popular in like mm-hmm. 2017, which is sort of like when I got into making and also just like kind of listening to more dance music. I was like a big punk and indie person for a long time, but. Mm. I think like, yeah, there was, you know, DJ Seinfeld. I knew it. And... DJ Seinfeld, DJ Mallgram. Yep. DJ Boring. <laughs> DJ uh, Boring. Those were sort of the 
the people that got me into dancier music and also like I was making like that type beat and was like what would what kind of sounds like this and right my my best friend and roommate now uh was the one who came up with DJ Stepdad while we were pretty drunk at four in the morning in like 2018 um DJ Wawa but, yep <laughs> I've written about DJ Wawa good artist um <laughs> but yeah I I do legitimately go as DJ stepdad and I think and unfortunately it's gone way further than it ever had any business doing I got offered the the where Berlin booking while I was there and like it didn't work out because it was when my flight was in the air like it was like just the one slot they had available was like right as I was leaving but I was like fuck maybe if I'm getting booked like DJ in the weird Instagram famous bathroom I maybe I gotta stop having it be about my stepdad or something I love that Instagram bathroom spot that is on everyone's page. It's like you kind of sort of made it. It's like lot radio adjacent. It's definitely the lot radio of Europe. Yeah. Like undeniably. I've I've done a lot of stuff at the lot and I, I mean, I don't know, that place fucking rocks. Like that's easily I've lived in New York for about a year and a half. Um, I'm pretty new here, but like I lived in Williamsburg my first year um and pretty much went to the lot every day to get coffee or like drink a, an IPA after work and I mean it really is like the sickest place like I was saying I'm not really a big like one of my least favorite things about New York is that all of the greatest DJs in the world are booked here pretty much at any given moment but mm -hmm. they all go on at like four in the morning Right. Uh, which is usually well after my bedtime, no matter how hard I try to make it up. But at the lot, you can it's go hard. see like it's it's tough. Like, I mean, I'm not a I'm not a crazy party animal. I I like to like drink IPAs in the, the <laughs> most mellow possible way. So you, you I, it's it's really hard for me to rage hard enough to be like ready to start my night at 3 a.m. So the lot basically my point being is, I guess, just like such a cool place to go see those same people that you could see it nowadays in the middle of the night like do something at two in the afternoon while you're like drinking a coffee yeah where you can definitely drink a coffee and it's kind of wild that clubs if they're gonna go at four three or four a.m i'm surprised all right all you got is mate <laughs> like why isn't there yeah, coffee? For real i know yeah well i mean i've never been there for it because like I was saying, I, I really am not someone who pulls a lot of all-nighters, but I know nowadays does with the non-stops, like they have coffee and bagels as the sun comes up. And I think that's really cool. And yeah, I mean, that's tight. There should be more of that everywhere. I think, yeah, we got to gotta normalize just having drip coffee at the club. If stuff's going to go to <laughs> five in the morning, just like free drip coffee. <laughs> totally, because... I still, no, I mean, now I'm back in the club, but I tried to make it to my friends' events when they go on at four, but it's impossible. They definitely need to have matcha at the club. Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing else to say. I mean, I hope somebody pulling the strings behind the the drinks at the New York clubs is listening and <laughs> the sparks sparks the change that we need for dudes who just usually want to sleep. Do you do you like getting eight hours of sleep in? Yeah, I mean, I I can't say do it every night, like you know <laughs> who does in this town, but <laughs> I definitely like function a lot better when I do. And 
I think like I'm pretty big on it these days, but when I first moved here, I was going out a lot more. Yeah. Um, which I just feel like is part of going to New York is like that honeymoon stage where you're out every night and you're like, then two months later, you look at your bank account. You're like, what the fuck? How did I do that? Uh, um, but there was a thing that I was doing where I would just like sleep for like four hours after like being out every night. And then just like come Friday, like I would just like be like, I'm going to do this thing. And then it wouldn't happen. And I would literally sleep for like, from like 9pm to like 11am the next day and would just get like 14 hours of sleep. And I think that's sort of what I realized that uh, if you're not getting like a proper like night in with those eight hours, like four nights a week, like you're just totally going to crash super hard. I mean, I actually don't think that's true for everyone. I think I'm like one of the more sleepy people in this world, uh, probably hence <laughs> the ambient music enjoyment. But I think I just I don't understand how so many people in New York seem to kind of constantly be able to stay out till 3 a.m. and like function the next day and do that like four times a week. But that is a lot of people I know. So mad respect. But I definitely did not inherit those genes. No, I I mean, I did do that when I was in my 20s, but no, sleep is key for me. I just picked up tennis again. I'm back on my fit, fitness game. Like, I also just want to be healthy, you know? Yeah, I'm a big gym person, and that wasn't really a uh, a part of my life until I moved here. And I do think that I go to the gym at night a lot mm -hmm. after work, kind of having like three or four nights a week where that is something I know I'm going to do or like knowing that like I have to go to like the gym on Sunday right is is something that I think kind of saves my like routine and like forces me to like say no to going to stuff because like you really can do like eight of the coolest things ever on any given day here and that's my favorite thing about living here but also like yeah it's expensive and exhausting and you really like you kind of learn to pick and choose your battles and I do think that settling into more of a uh, a healthy routine kind of like, yeah, forces me to pick and choose them even harder. I lived in LA before I moved here. Whoa, for a while. I think we're like really, we're like in each other's brains. It's kind of wild. I was going to bring that up that weren't you living in LA too? So that's yeah. Um, so I went to school out there and then just like had a job there and lived there for a couple of years. But mm. it was this weird thing where I feel like, um, for whatever reason, I went out way more in LA and like was had way less of like a kind of a, a stable, like a need for stability in my life, which I feel mm -hmm. like is kind of like this. It's it's this funny thing where I feel like I had like a not so quiet life in the quieter version of New York. And now I have mm -hmm. like a quiet, a quieter life in New York than I did in LA. Right. Um, but yeah, I think it's sort of this thing where like LA... I mean, I really miss it there now, but I like hated living there when I did. Um, You're not missing much. Yeah, I'm missing the ability to like have a yard. That would be cool. Yo, that's weird that a lot of people have been saying that, but all my friends that, okay, so to even give you context right now, I've been doing this Wear Many Hats World Tour since the beginning of s September. So we've just been on the road. And before Mexico City, we were in Los Angeles for uh, a couple weeks. And I go to LA every year, a couple times a year, but this is the first time this year. But 
it was interesting because I was trying LA life if I was like living there. And Word. I had a car. I, you know, I did, I did it all. I went grocery shopping. I was staying in friend, friend of the guest of the show, Kate Wallach. She, I was like staying like in beds, like, and then at my friend, friend's house in, um, in Echo Park, my friend Kenneth, I was also staying in beds. Like I was like living, it was kind of weird without like staying in a hotel. And like, I was just kind of, all right, this is what my life would be like if I lived in LA, but everyone says the same thing about wanting a yard and no one has a yard. Just to make it abundantly clear, I never had anything close to a yard when I lived there. I lived in very normal apartments that were actually like significantly smaller <laughs> than the apartment I live in in bed now. So I did not. Yeah, you. it's definitely a place where everyone wants a yard. But again, I don't know anyone who has one either. Yeah, it's I know <laughs> so many people in L.A., like a lot of good friends and people that have come on the show that dream of having a yard. And no one has that. No one has reached that that tier yet. And I feel like it's just getting harder. It's extremely expensive to have a yard in LA. Like saying you want a yard in LA is like saying that you want to live in like a penthouse in New York. Like, yeah, of course you do. Like I do as well. I think everyone does. <laughs> it's just, it's just different. LA is so different. And I really thought maybe someday everyone loves to say about there's a lot of opportunity, which there is, but the, the rumors are true. You can only go out and do one thing at night. There's no way you can pop around. There's just no way. Yeah, and there usually isn't that much to go to unless you've like really worked your way into like, like I feel like it really is a city where you have to like social climb your way in very hard to get invited to like house parties, like just normal shit. And in New York, I feel like anyone is down to be your friend. That's what I like about it here. Mm-hmm. The thing I will give LA is that uh, living there is significantly cheaper and I mean, I don't know if there's necessarily more opportunity, but I do think there's more of a chance to have like a like a normal, stable life. And New York, you definitely kind of feel that constant hustle in a way that can like, I think, wear me down at points when I've like done eight freelance assignments in a day. And right. it's still like so expensive. But I don't know. I, I, mean, I love like... what I love that you brought up. I think we're going to nip this in the butt right now. I love that everyone loves to do the comparison of like which city is cheaper, LA or New York. They're like equivalently almost the same. Like, cause yeah, they're both ungodly expensive. I think at the end of the day, yeah, totally. I and also it's it's weird. I think honestly, the whole country, America, is starting to get all on the same wavelength. It's not. It's it's weird. Like, LA. I'm in a car all day and I'm getting gas every other day. Yes, that was a huge dude. I used to, I did not make a lot of money when I lived in LA at my day job. And uh, <laughs> I would just do this thing where I would drive around on a tank that was like below empty and be like, no, there's still <laughs> fuel in the tank. Like I don't have to spend like $75 on a tank of gas. And like literally would have like a car that was like on the verge of dying. Like like the, <laughs> the engine would be like completely empty. And I'd be like, well, it's still moving. Like yeah, I don't have yeah. to go to the gas station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's definitely, I don't have to worry about that shit with, uh, with the trains. The day, it's, it's going to run slowly, but it is going to be there. And the engine isn't going to, fingers crossed, isn't going to die as I'm on it. 
which, you know, I was definitely running that risk almost every day in LA. There was also one time where I didn't feel like getting a tank of gas. So I just like walked everywhere for two weeks, which like in New York is like a normal thing to do. But mm-hmm. in LA, man, I was walking for like two hours to go do a thing. And I'm just like, why did I do that? Why didn't I just spend 70 bucks? But yeah, <laughs> I know. it's rough. I know exactly. I know exactly all of that. It's it's weird, but I was I I haven't had a car since I lived in Philly, and I've lived in Philly for a long time. But I I used to have cars, and it was just bringing back the good old days when I was just like putting in ten dollars of for gas, and it's just like, dude, that's not that's not gonna get you anywhere. <laughs> Dude, I would, I'd cap it at like seven bucks at some times and be like that. And it's like, I would like drive to the grocery store and back and be like, fuck, I have to go get gas again. Yeah. I don't really know what I was thinking there. I think, I think sometimes you just got to bite the bullet and pay for the tank of gas, but it is what it is. PTSD, trauma. It's like all there. Yeah. LA is particularly rough though. Cause you spend a lot of time like sitting in traffic, um, on a more like pro LA note, like what you get up to while you were there, like any, any cool shit. Mm-hmm. oh me yeah i went to i mean i'll be having new friend jay jay buff he's also a writer and um we went to jumbo's clown house nice i used to live around there i've actually never been yeah jumbo's but... clown room i believe and uh oh okay it's that was my first time and we yeah so to everyone out there it's a strip club but they don't show titty and so me and jay we were throwing ones with miguel so that was cool oh like the like pop singer miguel yeah pop singer miguel damn (laughs) it's kind of a weird place for miguel to be hanging out not because it's a strip club but just because it's like in a a weird strip mall in east hollywood like you think miguel could be at like a real strip club but well, i mean that's a cool story though <laughs> yeah and, and miguel uh no he was just out there supporting his his friend fox it was fox's birthday and she was up dancing and it was it was a good time we were all supporting the arts yeah hell yeah <laughs> but uh yeah i used to live a, like less than a mile away from chumbo's for a minute nice. kind of not my favorite part of LA. I lived in Highland Park for a while, and I think that was more up my alley as the right. type of guy to write an article about a weird band for NPR. But oh, totally Highland Park. That's where literally all the bands are. Yeah, Highland Park slaps. I mean, I if if it were in a like if Highland Park were in New York, but were the exact same neighborhood, that would be the ideal place to live. Totally. I think is my take. Totally. I went to the Lodge Room for the first time. Nice. I also lived like a maybe six blocks away from there. Been to the lodge room. Good spot. Love that neighborhood. If I ever moved back to LA, I definitely would live there and try to never go to any other part of LA. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I went to go see Spiritual Cramp with Brendan Guest of the show, Campton. He's in this band called Heavenward, and he used to be in this band called Teenage Rest. And they were playing there so that was cool but i love that it was next to burger lords yep i know burger lords so sick yeah that's kind of i think the most livable zone of la because you can actually like walk to do a thing it's like they really (laughs) like engineered that neighborhood to feel like it was new york which i appreciate but then 
yeah after doing that for a minute i moved to east hollywood and was like no Man, what the where the fuck am i yeah and then i moved yeah. here uh we were also at gold line which is peanut butter wolf's record bar um part of stone store records and we were there for their i believe it was either the fifth anniversary and he was there spinning and we were just there vibing so that was like a good time nice that's kind of a the elite booking to get as an la dj i've heard at gone uh, yeah i feel like that's sort of like maybe like the la equivalent of getting to like dj nowadays or something like i know i know people really want that one and like kind of mm -hmm. grind to get it Just shout out to stone's vinyl. throw good label good label but ted all this talk about la and new york and philly let's talk about the internet yeah i'm down i'm probably on there more than i am <laughs> uh, in the streets of new york la or philly so how are you feeling I just like want to know how are you feeling. I don't really ask all, all any of our guests like how they're feeling, but just currently right now, where we're at, the state of the world, and like, well, I'm in Mexico City right now. You're back in Brooklyn. I was. I'm also in Bed Stuy. Well, was in Bed Stuy, and I don't know. I just want to know how you're feeling. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty. It's a pretty weird time on like so many levels. Right. Um. I think like in my immediate life, like it's sort of been this weird thing where I think the last year has forced a lot of people to who do what I do as writers to kind of like give up the dream a little bit. Like mm. it kind of is this thing where I think a lot of people are hitting this breaking point where they're realizing that no matter how hard you grind, like mm -hmm. the opportunities aren't going to like add up in a way. I mean, I think it's sort of like liberating, but it's also like, I mean, I've been for a long time, I was pretty like cheeky on the internet about shit and was like it's all good when shit's bad or whatever but I think like there's just been more honesty and I think part of this kind of was sparked by maybe the writer's strike in Hollywood a little bit but where people oh, are nice. just like yeah like I'm doing you know I'm writing this thing for like the biggest magazine in this industry and they're paying me a hundred bucks like this fucking sucks <laughs> uh and yeah it's I mean it's like this weird thing where I feel like I'm I love what I do mm -hmm. and I don't see myself ever stopping as long as I can do it. But I do think we've, you know, it's like MTV has gone. Bandcamp is like, it's not gone, but like my editor is gone. That fucking sucks. <laughs> um, and it was like, and like, I don't know. My biggest thing is just like, also like in the, uh, in the last year, like, a bunch of places I write have laid people off and it's always been like the really good editor that I worked with who was fucking awesome like it's never just like some random like NPR laid off my editor Marissa who uh is I think like one of the easiest people to approach as a new writer at like a really hard place to break in with and mm -hmm. like of course like of all the people like they laid off like the one who was like the best to me as like a really young freelancer so I'm just like yeah I'm definitely frustrated um I think everyone is right now it's like if you're if you're frustrated about anything related to writing on Twitter like it's pretty easy for that to like spark discourse or go viral so it's there's been a lot of that uh because people have thoughts either way but yeah I mean I don't know I love what I do and I just hope I can keep doing it at least to the degree that I am but like it's definitely weird to kind of be like a writer writing for places that i have honest to God been a reader of since I was 
you know, mm-hmm. 14 years old and to like still have like four other like weird freelance gigs on the side of that. Um, part of that, I think, is being a creative person in general. And I think part of it's being in New York, but it's also like it's definitely a really frustrating moment where I feel like things are kind of going towards reality where like what was once a viable career is now like as hard as being an independent artist Mm -hmm. and I don't know on top of that like I I don't really know who's to blame because it's like it's definitely not the editors who I work with because all of them are investing like really limited resources in what I do and I'm super grateful for that and a lot of them are like on the verge of losing their jobs as well so that fucking sucks and I totally feel for them that's kind of, that's maybe not like how I'm feeling, but that's sort of like the greater like spiraling that's been on the mind over the course of the last year and like particularly the last day. It's weird stuff, but I guess I just hope that to whatever degree, like the music journalism and culture writing world is like still intact, that I can be a part of it. No, it just looks like Twitter is a one giant spiral and there's like no positivity coming out of it. Oh no, definitely not. Twitter is just total like... <laughs> dark side death mode right now it's pretty fucking terrible uh i'm way as as like a work from home freelancer i have to be on there a lot Mm -hmm. well i don't have to be on there a lot i choose to be on there a lot but um i'm super online and it definitely is a lot of like people kind of being like fuck this shit but i'm also like i'm of the mentality that like somehow it's all gonna prevail but i do sort of like i think my silver lining has been like Towards the end of last year, it kind of felt like the, like, whatever, like, non-recession recession we're in sort of kicked in. And, mm-hmm. like, a lot of my friends, myself included, had, like, major adjustments at stable jobs. And everybody sort of entered, like, this weird, like, hustling era or, like, reevaluated, like, what they were capable of doing professionally as a creative person, mm-hmm. which I've also had to do. But sort of as I saw that I think I like decided that it was probably the right year to like invest back into myself as like a producer and an artist and I've done a lot of that and frankly it's been pretty fun and I think if I were you know breaking into this game five years ago and like had moved to Brooklyn as a writer and gotten a job at Vice and you know made a normal living because there were 18 billion places that have now folded that did what I do and had budget to hire people I might not have like felt inclined to explore other creative lanes. So I do think that the silver lining of all of it is that um, it's sort of opening the door for journalists and culture writers to also like, you know, maybe like book shows or DJ or be in a band or whatever and not have it be seen as like a huge conflict of interest. This didn't really answer the question of like how I'm feeling, but no, but that's all real. Yeah, I'm... That That's all real. And I completely agree with you only because of the fact that what really stood out was when you said, if I did this five years, I think everyone has thought that same exact thought of if I did what I'm doing right now, five years ago, but you you can't, you know? So like, I, I, I'm also in music. I write music and play in my band called Smog Cutter. And I always thought like, if I started this like five or 10 years ago, I mean, I didn't make songs for it, but I never went into the studio for it. But I'm glad I'm doing it now because if I did it before, it would have been so corny. I think the music that I would put it put out would be so corny. But now, even same with the podcast. Um, even though we started pre-pan and we went hard in the pan, and then coming out, we're just going hard. 
I I can see the progress, and I think that same with you with DJ Stepdad. That yeah, for sure. It's kind of been this weird thing. Off. Yeah, hopefully, you know, I don't even know what that necessarily means to me. I have a new record coming out in the new year that I kind of like recorded while I was plug that like unemployed and between jobs over the winter and um then I have like I'm working on other new music too and it would just be cool if like um I mean I think like popping off or like success for me would just look like a world where as many people who I can get to read an article that I wrote would like listen to a thing that I made I don't really I mean I think it's really hard for artists right now too like to actually like make a living and I'm I'm kind of like one of the biggest things I've had to do this year is come to terms with the reality where like if I'm a writer or if I'm a DJ or Mm -hmm. if I'm really anything in the music industry other than someone whose job involves a word like royalty cataloging Mm -hmm. doing like kind of the less creative side of things that it probably is going to have to be a hobby and like I think it sucks but it's also just like coming to peace with that is probably a healthy thing to do and like so I think that like yeah I mean I don't know as more and more places that I write seem to disappear, like scale back, like I guess just feeling like there's room for, like I'd love to tour, which I've never done. I was always in kind of like Indian punk bands before I started writing and DJing and come from that world of shit. And um, like, I feel like, you know, I always wanted to be in a band that toured. That was always what I wanted more than to even really be a writer. And Mm -hmm then like writing kind of actually did start popping off. And all of a sudden I was like writing for like places that I'm still kind of like surprised that I write for and was like, let's do this for a second. Like this is going way better than I ever, than it has any business going. But now that that's sort of crumbling for reasons outside of anyone's control, I do think I'm kind of like, all right, well maybe, you know, I could do that to whatever degree I anyone can in 2023 or 2024. But also like, yeah, maybe now's the time to like, figure out a job that gives me insurance and also figure out like a way to like take a week off of that job to go like do a tour in Europe as a DJ or something, you know? So I think just just sort of like, I've done a lot of reevaluating and I think for as much as like, it's been a total like pessimistic death spiral on Twitter this like last like nine months, basically. I do think I'm trying to see more like of a bright side in it where like, the end game could involve me reconnecting with myself as an artist, which is what I've always wanted to be Mm -hmm. more so than like a critic. So that's dope. Um, But it's really frustrating too, though, because I mean, like I legitimately know people who like went to Ivy League grad school to like be music writers. And then like the reality is one where they're using that degree to do a thing that pays them $50. And it's just like, this is like not it. Like we got to this. We have to restructure some shit here. Right. Right. I just don't know what I don't know how to restructure an entire industry as a guy who likes ambient music in my 20s in Brooklyn. So I I I know what I can call it as I see it, but I can't offer a solution. And I don't know if anyone can. No, no. Do you think you'll ever branch out of music journalism? Yeah, probably. Um, I don't think. Well, I mean, as a journalist, I'm not so sure. Like this mm. year I've gotten like really into movies mm. and same world, sort of. Same Yeah, world. but I I grabbed drinks with a, a friend from Twitter for the first time like a few months back. And he was like, Oh, do you think are you trying to write about movies? And I was like, 
Honestly, dude, fuck no. Absolutely not. <laughs> I just like watching them. Like I like I like reading other people's shit about them, but like right. I I'd rather just enjoy them for mm -hmm. what they are. And like I feel like I have this like I'm so like in, I'm such an intense music listener because it's like kind of my job to listen to music and have an opinion on it. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I don't need to like go do that with movies or TV or like whatever. Like it's kind of cool to just be like, yeah, that movie, that movie was awesome. I loved it. Or like, yeah, that movie, I didn't like it. And that my like take on it can just kind of like start and end there. Um, so I don't really think that as like a writer, I would branch out from covering music unless, I don't know, unless something changed considered writing fiction before which I've never done but like I've always imagined like you know writing some type of book that where music is like a character and like a huge part of the story but it isn't like some book that's like here's how Big Star made their album like because I it's like I I've read those books but I'm just like I have no urge to like essentially write the type of article that I'd write but like stretch it out to 300 pages like that sounds like so painful usually I, like word 900 i'm like fuck i gotta keep going like <laughs> so i i could not write like a like a proper like music book i don't think but one day it would be cool to branch out as a writer in a, in the sense that i like like actually do like creative writing that could be cool but i don't know i was thinking what about the news dude i'm just like not tapped in enough for that my partner works for a place called the intercepts uh, um, oh damn so I, I'm dating someone who has like a, a in an intense full-time media job. And I'm like, yeah, that's really not me mm -hmm. <laughs> at all. I'm like, not this intense about shit. Mm -hmm. um, I like follow a lot of current events, but I'm definitely not the guy to talk to if you want like a, a, a unique, well-rounded opinion on them. And like, again, it's sort of like the type of thing where I'm like, I really enjoy reading like, the Intercept and the Nation and Hellgate and places in that vein. But I don't feel like really a deep, profound need to like be the guy who's pondering non-music stuff on that level. I think I would rather kind of be happy taking in someone else's work and like having my opinion on that just kind of like be something that lives and dies in a conversation in passing more than like a like I don't know I don't really see myself as like a hard-hitting journalist by any means I'm kind mm. of like a, a weirdo music lover who just started blogging while I was in college in Orange County mm -hmm. and like somehow that led to stuff that was way bigger than what I imagined ever coming of it and I'm super grateful but I'm also like I don't know if I necessarily have imposter syndrome as a writer but I definitely am like aware of the fact that I did not go to journalism school and mm -hmm. have like newsroom internships. I'm kind of just a guy who has, for as long as I've been alive, has just been really obsessed with music and writing was the thing I did that people seem to latch on to quickly. So I think that's kind of my philosophy towards it is I'm just, I really am kind of just coming at it from a music lover or coming coming at it as a music lover and I'm not sure I feel like this intense need to like be a different type of writer. It's mm. I barely even see myself as a writer. Like I feel like a lot of like mm. disconnect with my work a lot of the time. And the I mean, imposter syndrome is coming out. Yeah, maybe I, a little bit, or like I don't know. Like it's like I won't like I'll write something that like runs on like NPR, and I'm instead of being like wow 
that was crazy. I just wrote for NPR. I like totally forget that I even did it like 10 minutes later. <laughs> like, it's kind of like this, like I've tweeted about this before, but I, I like, I don't even really know how I find time in my day to like do writing. Like, I guess I'll just like sit down and like spend an hour and a half, like writing an album review. Mm -hmm. But usually that's something that feels like so disconnected from like who I am mm -hmm. that like, I don't even really think about the fact that that's part of what I do off offline. Mm -hmm. It's kind of weird because I feel like my voice as a writer too is so different from like my voice as a person. Like I'm not really the type of guy to use a word like sumptuous in a conversation. But if you go read like something that I wrote like last week, I'll suddenly using like crazy words like that. And it's like, I mean, it's like I bond, I feel like I have a really deep spiritual connection to so much of the music that I write about. Right. But like even that, well, yeah, even that feels so disconnected from my day-to-day -day life. Like, I guess I kind of just, like, do this thing that I never thought I'd be able to do, but I've always admired other people who've been able to do. Like, I, like I, I definitely was always kind of like, oh, it'd be cool to be a music writer, but, like, I don't think anyone could ever, like, you know, you have to be, like, really elite to do that. And, like, you right. know, and it turns out, like, it's just kind of something you can do if you know how to play your cards right. Oh, um, of course. I, I guess, it, yeah, basically my, this is a really, like, yeah, it's a scattered, long-winded tangent. Um, but basically, I don't know if I'd write about something else. If I ever felt the calling to and just started doing it, then, like, yeah, totally. But I don't know what that would be right now. And I'm not too worried about, like, figuring out what that is. I think, if anything, I'm worried about, like, figuring out for as much as I'm disconnected from my writing, it took a lot of work to get to where I am today. And like, there were a lot of late nights or like times that I should have been spending with my loved ones that I was spending writing like a weird free unpaid track premiere because I really wanted to get to a point where like an editor I respect the fuck out of would respond right. to my email. Totally. So I think if anything, I'm more worried about like taking a step back from like that workaholic mentality regardless of like whether or not I'm paying the rent from what I do and like mm -hmm. find myself a little bit more and then like kind of see how it all shakes out. But that's not to say that I don't love writing or like still see myself doing like way too much of it in the new year. But I guess I'm just not super worried about what's next on that front. I'm kind of just like, yeah, if I can still keep writing for Bandcamp because it exists, that's awesome. But like mm -hmm. it might not, we'll fucking see. It all it's kind of, taking it day by day i guess have you wrote about podcasts no i've never written about a podcast well you can start with the wear many hats podcast yeah maybe i will i don't i don't know who writes about podcasts <laughs> but if i if you know what if i find the right the right one the right place that's covering them maybe that is my next game i do listen to a lot of podcasts that have nothing to do with music so i was excited to do this like we are tapping into a an interest of mine that i wish i was like pursuing more which is just like culture podcasting or like like i i listen to a lot of like lighthearted podcasts so i feel maybe, like that's maybe that's maybe that's the next game i feel like there's not there's a million music writers and i don't think i could name a single person who's just writing about like some lighthearted culture podcasts so maybe <laughs> that is my unique lane yeah i did read a tweet um not of yours i i'm wow i'm really gonna quote this tweet of I don't know who, but someone said 
that they should get all the editors that just got laid off and like some philanthropists should just start a new company with all those laid off editors and just form a, a new company. Yeah, that's definitely something I think a lot of people have suggested. Uh -huh. uh, it would be cool. I hope it happens. <laughs> I'm not the philanthropist who can go afford to pay a bunch of editors who were probably making like over 70k at their last jobs and start a thing that may or may not be successful or make money mm -hmm. but like yeah i mean i think that would fucking rock um i think there's a lot of room right now for people with like a more altruistic attitude and resources to step in and mm -hmm. do what they can like i know um i don't know the ins and outs of what they're thinking but like i don't know if you follow nina protocol but they've they're an emerging streaming platform and I think a month ago I would have been like, yeah, I think Nina protocol is cool, but like, I don't really know what differentiates them mm -hmm. from Bandcamp. And now I'm like, this is like a huge moment for people like that to like, who've been doing stuff along the lines of what Bandcamp was doing, you know, kind of like pushing back against streaming to like actually kind of like make a name for themselves as like the new thing that can like be an ecosystem for artists that like, isn't super tainted by like corporate capitalism. Right. Um, just at the end of the day, I don't think I'm the person who has the answer to what that looks like. And if I did, I'd probably be making a lot more money and saving the music industry one day at a time. But instead, right. I'm just writing articles where I describe like ambient songs in different ways. But at least you're thinking about it in a positive light. I, I just think that like the music industry right now is so bizarre. There's I think it's the egos that I can't 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 take. Yeah, I mean, I deal with a lot of them. Not so much like egotistical people in the sense that I'm like sending my idea to an editor, like being mm -hmm. like, "Hey, can I DJ at this space?" and getting like some response where it's like, "You'll never make it in this industry, <laughs> kid." But more of like, there's sort of a lack of compassion where it's like a really normal part of what I do is sending over an idea that I'll make a hundred dollars off of if it gets says yes to and having to follow up 20 times and never hearing back. And like, that really is like 50% of being a music writer and probably 50% of being like a self-managed artist as well. Um, and I feel like, you know, I, I did another interview this week that isn't out yet for a, a newsletter about music journalism, but I do hope one thing that can change is just sort of more of a culture of like communication and compassion from people at the top. Cause like, no one really like doing this right now is doing it because they want to, they're trying to get that huge paycheck that's going to come with it. Like everybody's definitely like, all right, this is all falling apart. But like, I did hear this band that fucking rocks. Like, can I please write about them? And like, mm. I think in this weird moment, it would be nice if there was sort of a mentality of like, everybody like slogging it out as we figure out what like can and can't exist in the next like three years on a creative level in this industry like they're definitely navigating this hard period because they really want it so like let's all come together and like see eye to eye on like making it happen if we can i don't know but yeah again i don't really know the industry or i sorry i don't really know like I don't have the answers to what the future of the music industry can be. And I don't think anyone does right now. No. And if I have a great idea that I think can bail out a failing creative ecosystem, 
then I will absolutely fucking pursue it. But still yeah. waiting to figure out what it's going to be. It's it's definitely really hard. I I've been writing postcards while I'm every every city that we've been going to around the world. I've been writing postcards and sending it to friend and guests of the shows and loved ones. And there's this one postcard I was writing, which is which I realized I didn't the one thing that connected me with a lot of people in the world is art for some weird reason. Like I'd be going to galleries and I'd be meeting all these different artists and I would just, they would connect me with other artists that I would know too. And we have these mutual friends. And so like they would tell me about all these other people and then I would meet up with them and then saying like the beginning of the year I was in Seoul now at the end of the year I'm meeting up with them in like Berlin it's like a whole different thing and it's all connected through the creative industry and the art industry like it wouldn't be like that if I was like in finance or something yeah no it would not <laughs> um and I think like that kind of is the thing that keeps me going at this even when it all seems like it's falling apart is basically like the ecosystem of like I don't even know if like ecosystem that's such a pretentious word to use I like that you meet cool people who like doing the same shit you like doing and I like keeping up with those people and encountering those people who might live 500 miles away like throughout my life like I feel like you really do encounter kindred spirits if you start pouring yourself into something difficult and creative exactly. and I I've I'm a very social person I've always had a lot of friends but it wasn't until I started like writing extremely hard that I ended up feeling like I had a lot of friends who like what I like mm -hmm. and that's the reason to do it I think is just to kind of like talk to cool people whose art you love and tell that story and then to meet other writers who'd want to tell that same story that like 10 other people would want to tell that's that's on a really wholesome level I think the reason that like it's worth it even when like the checks are low, the places are closing, the, you know, the 17th follow-up email isn't getting a response, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, it's still cool to, like, be able to, like, know that, like, there's a probably 50 people who, if, you know, the next time they're in New York, we're going to grab a beer and we're also going to, like, text every day about the state of our creative lives and also just the music we love and other shit, too. That's what I like about it. And... Yeah, it's super long-winded, but yeah. No, super wholesome. This is wholesome talk. Where many yeah, <laughs> we definitely got wholesome for a second there, but you know, I try to- try We to looked at each other's eyes and we we're like, bro. Yeah, I, I try to keep it, try to keep it wholesome. You know, I'd say I'm, I'd say I'm a, a wholesome enough dude. It's not all wholesome, but it's largely wholesome. <laughs> Well, Ted, where is a place you like to go to hang your hat on whether it's writing any new articles or even just like getting your ideas? Like a place that I would just like go to like feel rejuvenated kind of? Yeah, it could be that too. It could be that. It could also be like... For me, I like going to a bunch of cafes and that's where I get all of my ideas from or like even like parks and stuff. Yeah, I feel like I'm pretty similar on that level. I 
walk around like a fuck ton. That's kind of one of my main pastimes. It's just wandering around my neighborhood. I feel like that's sort of where I get that creative spark. Mm -hmm. Um, I also go to a lot of parks and I also go to a lot of cafes and more than anything else, just like try to get out of my house, but be near it. So that's kind of it, dude. Just my neighborhood getting out of the house and just seeing what's happening in the world outside of like the world around me. I mean, are you also a guy that's... that like brings their laptop into a bar and starts writing? No, definitely not. I'm actually pretty like, I would say more than anything else. I'm, I'm someone who kind of has a lot of ideas while I'm on the go and doesn't really do anything mm-hmm. to like act on them. And then like, like, and it's kind of like an intentional thing. And like, I'll try and like kind of keep them in the back of my head. Um, and then like, yeah, it's cool to like come home after that bar and mm-hmm. then like write an article until three in the morning. Cause I already knew what I was going to say. Um, I would say more than anything else. That's how I operate. Like I have like basically an entire like EP of music that like, I know exactly what it's going to sound like. And I haven't produced any of it. Cause like my laptop's just been so busted to a point where like, I, I, I this is my, actually, I just got a new laptop yesterday and this, this zoom is my first time using it. Like I literally like set up my new laptop for this shout out to the 13 inch Apple MacBook pro. Um, <laughs> But yeah, uh, so I'm like excited to like have all of these ideas that I'm like have been like ruminating on for months and just mm-hmm. be like, all right, I know what I'm going to do. I can finally do it because I have the technology that allows me to produce again. And I'd say more than anything else, I kind of try to disconnect from myself on a creative level when I'm out in the world. But mm-hmm. then like when I'm back in my zone, I can kind of act on it and like get lost as I like translate what i've been thinking about to paper Mm -hmm. um so i'd say i guess if like where my hat is where i actually go to create shit probably my bed or my couch but if we're talking places i go to get inspiration definitely in my neighborhood and also probably like it's such a lame contrived thing to say but definitely i spend a lot of time in upstate new york getting out Mm -hmm. of the city so probably there as well i feel like that's a really like rejuvenating and inspiring place for me because i love nature in an old town me too. Let them cook. Yeah, it's definitely cooking in Hudson for sure. <laughs> Ted, hats off to you and everything that you do for some Desar Wear Many Hat Solutions. Well, we did bring up, yeah, you should. I hope one day you write about podcasts. I feel like, I feel like you would kill it, honestly, because the podcast game right now is looking bleak. Every all the podcast writers out there, they're like not it's just not hitting. Um, I just feel like your words would brighten up the podcast industry a little bit. I mean, if you were to trend transition from music, I mean, or just like, you know, still in that same world. I've I don't know what movie you would write about if I was trying to think of like what movie you would write about. But whatever movie you would write about, I think it would be hilarious. I think Hell yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'll email you about this or something, but I'd be interested to see who's even writing about podcasts right now. I didn't even know people were doing that, frankly. It's 
it's bad though. It's like snooze fest and it's just, it's just like not as I think at the end of the day, you know, you want some humor in your like writing, just like a, a tiny bit. And I don't know. I just feel like I could read your tweets forever. If that could be like in the, the home screen, like I would log on to Twitter and that would be the first tweet something from your username from you. I would just be like, okay, cool. Now let's scroll. <laughs> Sweet. Thanks, dude. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's kind of my ethos as a writer in general is wherever I can crack a joke or I go on a personal tangent that isn't like me being like, this synthesizer sounds like this, but it's more like this is, you know, and this is why this album fucking rocks and like right. why I want to write about it. Like that definitely is what inspires me to do this is just like, so yeah, I mean, if if the entire podcast writing game is just people describing podcasts and dry ass words that does sound pretty terrible and <laughs> maybe that maybe that is the next frontier we'll see send, send me some places that are writing about podcasts not in a not in the sense that i want to dunk on them but in the sense that i'm curious who's even doing it i don't know it's just it's also you know this this world right now this the, the world of entertainment you know spotify and apple and everyone's just trying to be the best i don't know it's it's like really weird and everyone laying off everyone it's it's all tricky all it's everything's like tricky it's it's all yeah it's a real thing it's kind of a really tricky time i feel like i i definitely had a moment earlier this year where i was like should i just kind of consider like going into tech and then i was like no because that's also dealing with the same shit so we're kind of all in it together <laughs> it's it's not great but you know what uh, I, I do think shit just kind of inherently gets better and things ebb and flow in human history. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, you know, one day we'll all, we'll all be working again. We'll have that insurance that 401k is going to be slapping. It's all good. <laughs> uh, and you know, the, I guess the, the good news of being in a period where people are losing access to that shit that was very hard to come by to begin with is, there's more room in there to for for people to chill and like ruminate on stuff and kind of figure out what they do and don't want. So I I do think that like a forced period of kind of weirdness or disconnecting from your professional self can also be healthy. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Ted, if you were to get a chest tattoo quote, what would it be? Definitely life is good. I own like 11 life is good shirts. I've I've not been thinking about it on the chest, but I haven't thinking about getting a life is good tattoo. Um, yeah, just the classic life is good logo. It's a great brand. I sort of have been saying that life is good is going to come back because I think they have the same vibe as online ceramics, but I've been saying that for three years and I'm still the only guy wearing life is good in Brooklyn. So I might be wrong on that front. Shout out to Life is Good, though. <laughs> Underrated brand. Also really comfortable shirts with kind of like a loose fit. Even like, like I'm a size medium. Their size medium fits like a large in the ways that you want it to fit like a large. Right. But it definitely fits like a medium in the ways that you want it to fit like a medium. Perfect <laughs> brand. Great ethos. I am all about the good life. That brand is all about dogs and beer. Right. I'm all about dogs and beer. If I, if I like, I don't really want to get a full chest tap, but if I like... <laughs> gun to my head had to I'd, I'd definitely be going with life is good wow i just grew up going to ocean city new jersey driving and like every car would have a life is good like sticker or like a life is good 
entire cover. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, it definitely is not a brand that I I think I would have expected to gravitate towards for no particular reason as an adult, as a teenager. Like if if I look back on being like, yeah, I mean, I have the same connotations, like literally like, yeah, like my stepdad wearing a life is good hat while he like built a shelf in the garage. Like I definitely am not like this brand is super sick. It it, <laughs> it also reminds me of Ocean City, Maryland, but uh, that's wonderful. Wow. They're fit. They're fitting good these days. They really it's a quality shirt. And even when life is tricky, it is good. So I'm I'm all about that. Someone sponsor this man. Yeah, if life is if anyone at life is good is listening and they want to like maybe like send me like hundreds of free shirts and like pay my rent. Uh we could discuss a world where you know we can work out a deal for sure. I think we could strike a balance there that works for both of us. So, you know, if you feel inspired, like we could get in touch. We could we could talk. That's incredible. Ted, plug your socials. Where can people find you? Yeah, my Twitter and my Instagram are Ted Davis with no vowels and three S's. That is T-D-D-V-S-S-S. And then, yeah, I kind of just use Instagram and and Twitter, X, whatever. It's, it's Twitter. It's not X. Um, I will not start calling it X. But that's kind of where I'm I'm ripping. Um, and then, yeah. If you're looking for my writing, that's basically where you can find it. I mean, I write for a bunch of different places because I'm a freelancer. So if you're just looking for the one place where it's all kind of compartmentalized, I share everything as soon as it comes out there um, and you can just kind of scroll through and find shit. And then, yeah, my music, you can search DJ Stepdad. Uh, it's got mixes a lot of places and some music already out and even more music coming in the new year. So that's... It's not a social, but it is a place to look me up if you're looking for other creative shit that I do. Amazing. Amazing. Well, Ted, thank you so much for coming on Wear Many Hats. It was great to have you. Yeah, dude, thank you for asking me. I really appreciate it. This was a fun time. If you ever want to hang in Brooklyn when you're back, I'd definitely like get lunch or something. So I'm down. I'm, I'm totally down. Also, we should figure out a show. I'm sure that you get, um, you're like, at every show you think i actually have kind of like i was when i moved here for sure and then i got into like my gym rat era um and now i've kind of i'm at a lot of shows i'm, I'm not at every show these days but i'm definitely like at most of them um if you ever wanted to hit a show i definitely would i'm never gonna say no so yeah let's get that press pass going we could if there's one thing that has remained true in the crumbling world of music journalism, it's that you can get the press fast going. <laughs> also, before we dip, what are you, what's what's your, what's your gains looking like at the gym? Dude, I'm kind of, I wish I had like a real like fitness guy answer. Uh, I do a mile and a half on the treadmill. I do... Mm -hmm some kettlebell squats and then I do a bunch of different machines that I have not learned the name of even though I've been going to the gym for almost two years it's worked I've lost like seven pounds I don't need to know anything else I'm like this shit works uh well enough for me to lose weight get some gains but I'm I'm not like enough of a gym rat to be like I do this thing and this thing I decide you know we pull up we do what we do we go home we pull up 
We love that. Are you are you on the are you at the blank on by Broadway? Uh, I was at the Williamsburg blank on Broadway for my first year here, and now I'm at the Planet Fitness on Broadway in like Bushwick because I'm I'm on the Bedsty Bushwick border. I I kind of want to find like a more like like a real proper like like I'm in my gym era gym but the issue is I go to the gym at like mm. like 10 p.m a lot of the time and Planet Fitness is the only one in the greater bed zone other than the blink that's like on the other side of the neighborhood from me that's open that late most mm -hmm. of them are like run by like some random guy and close at 8 p.m and I'm like mm -hmm. I'm definitely not ready to rip at 8 p.m most of the time so Whoa. I gotta go to the late night one it's kind of weird being a late night gym guy. It's the energy is definitely weird in there at a certain hour. My my friend who lives in Ridgewood goes to a place called Force Fitness, and apparently it's twenty four hours. And I'm like, if I lived in Ridgewood, I'd definitely probably be pulling up to the gym at like one in the morning just to see what was going on. Well, we I don't know about you, but what goes on at one in the morning at Equinox is the OnlyFans creators come through and they shoot their videos there had no idea that was happening there but hey at least they're at equinox <laughs> it's a step up from planet fitness there's like three steps up from planet fitness so good to know that that world of creating shit on the internet is paying people enough for the equinox membership because music journalism sure is not <laughs> <laughs> Till next time, this is Wear Many Hats presented by Dasar, and I'm Rashad. Peace.